0: All right, are we all situated? Ready for the word today? Some of you are, good. Let me just yank this up a little bit. I had to play the drums today. How many liked Christina? She's a blessing, right? Yes, she's awesome. Just gonna sneak back here and get my Bible. You know, I gotta play uh, the jack of many trades, so it's hard to keep in touch of everything. But I'm excited to bring the word to you today. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God. And Lord, I ask God that you would move through my words. And God, that you would feed your people here today because of your love, your love for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we're in the second part of our series called Developing a Healthy Heart. How many just loved Bethany's message last week? I've heard so many good reports. I was kind of in between juggling kids and and coming in here and just catching glimpses of her message. And, man, it was just a joy to my heart to see my wife just moving her gifting, man. It's awesome. So I get to do today, and um, I'm also very glad for that. And, uh, again, this is the second part of our series called Developing a Healthy Heart. You know, one word in this whole title of the series that's encouraging to me is the word developing. You know, it gives me great hope because, you know, I know that there's so many um, ways that I'm undeveloped, you know what I mean? And that the Lord in His grace can develop me even now. It's actually a very encouraging thing for me to know that the Lord is consistently, consistently at work to to make me and forge me into his image. So what we may be lacking today, we can be of good courage to know that we may not be lacking that in the months to come, the years to come as we open our heart before the Lord. You understand what I'm saying? It's a good thing that the Lord is patient with us and He doesn't expect us to be all there right away. Some of you are looking at me like I'm strange. Well, hold on, we'll try to make sense of it. I am strange. <laughs> I have to get rid of my gum. It's tripping my words up. Hallelujah. You know, to develop anything in life, we would agree that it takes a little time and a little work, right? You know, if you're a drummer, if you're a musician, if you're an artist, you know, doesn't it take a little time to develop your craft? You just come by it um, overnight. It takes a little care. You got to be intentional about it. You know, for example, a businessman, you know, rather he's just starting a new business or he's trying to redevelop a new model within the business that he's already in. You know, if relationship, you look at that, my wife and me will not look the same as we do today in the next five years. Why? Because we're continually being developed and I'm continually learning how to love her as Christ loves the church. I'm not perfect in it. By any means, but by the grace of God, it will look different in the months and years to come, right? Somebody say amen. It's good that the Lord is patient with us, and he doesn't expect us just to come in to everything all at once, to be fully developed, to be fully developed in our hearts where it's healthy. I love that about the Lord. You know, Hilltop Church This will not look the same as it does today in the next five years, maybe even sooner. It will develop into new things as the Lord opens new doors and gives us fresh revelation and gives us new understanding how to lead his people. You know, we're not going to look the same as we do today, and I thank God for that. You know, what I'm saying is rather if you're starting from scratch or changing the old, Growing or developing is a good thing, and should give us great hope. Mm-hmm. You know the scripture that best that best put this into frame for me. Kind of best gives me the understanding is Philippians one six, and we can turn there real quick. It's a quick little shot, and many of you are probably familiar with this verse. But well, let's give some context uh, to the first five verses before we give get into verse 6. Again, this is a letter that Paul is writing to the people of Philippi. Paul loves these people. It's very evident that they hold a special place in his heart. He is very fond of them and has a deep affection of love for these people. You know, it says, I believe in verse 5, just the mere thought of the people of Philippi fills Paul with uh, in his prayer life by giving thanks to Christ for their faith in God. He loves these people. These people are inspiring to him, and he is to them. You know, but in verse 6, Paul says something worth noting. Let's read here. Verse 6. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished. On the day when Christ Jesus returns. So God, he began the good work. He'll continue the good work. And the work will not stop until what? Christ returns. Come on. That should give us, that should give many of us great hope we're talking about developing a healthy heart how many feel without the showing of any hands that your health without your heart excuse me without a shadow of a doubt is healthy i cannot raise my hand there is places where i am believing the lord to develop within me a healthy heart and i'm not talking one that is free from disease <laughs> although it could be a disease just not a physical disease but a spiritual one Come on, somebody. So he began a good work within us. He'll continue the good work, and it won't stop until Christ returns. Jacob, Kim, give me an amen. Come on. (laughs) You know, another scripture verse, if you would mind, turn into Hebrews 13 21. Just another thing to highlight the Lord's heart over this matter. And I'm just gonna read verse 21 here. 1321 of the book of Hebrews. May He equip you with all what? All that you need. May He equip you with all that you need. May He produce, He being God, produce in you. Sorry, I just lost my place. I'm oh, sorry, yes, may he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that what pleases him. Friend, today let me, let me make no doubts about it. Today it would please God that me, you, I, the church would develop, be developed in our hearts to begin to have a healthy, healthy heart. I'm confident of that. Why? Because it pleases the Lord. The heart is important to God, isn't it? You know, from the Old Testament to the New, you know you think about First Samuel 16 uh, verse seven, where Samuel is going to anoint a new king for Israel, and the Lord speaks to him, so under the prophetic word, he goes to the sons of Jesse to try to identify the next king of Israel. And we all know the story, the background, David's kind of in the back shadows, tending to sheep, because it surely can't be him, right? Jesse's like, it's surely not you, David, you go head up into the hills, you take care of the work, my boys are coming with me, and one of them are going to be picked to be the next king. And what does the Lord say? Another scripture verse of which is very familiar to us. God speaks to Samuel in the midst of him trying to figure it out. You can imagine Samuel, the four dudes in front of him, and he's trying to get the word of the Lord. He's like, okay, which one? Uh, No, not you. No, not you. And he's trying to, you know, simulate what the Lord is saying to him and try to identify uh, uh, the next king. And the Lord speaks to Samuel in that moment. What does he say? Samuel, you can't look on the outward appearance of man, for I look at the heart. Come on. Come on. Isn't it true? Don't we as individuals size a man by their physical stature, their physical appearance, but yet the Lord looks at the heart? And this wasn't just for this occasion. This is something that the Lord wants to highlight to us, that he's not interested on the stature and the perfection of my unperfected face because God knows I ain't going anywhere with this mug, Okay. Glad to know you're laughing. It's good. But, hallelujah, that we have a God that looks at the heart of man. And by that, he can stop and say, wait, the one I'm looking for is not here. Do you have another son? And it all is a matter of the heart. It's so good. You know, let's think about the children of Israel. Look, look through the Old Testament and the New Testament. How the the, the major overlapping cause of God's pleasure with Israel to God's judgment to Israel was the condition of their heart. So much so that Paul says, hey, don't be like the children of Israel and harden your hearts when God speaks. God cares about the heart, friend. He cares about the heart. And these are just a couple Brief little points in scripture that we find where the Lord highlights the heart condition. And I love that about the Lord because God knows, like I said, I ain't going anywhere with the stature. I'm not going anywhere this face. Crew or whatever, G.Q. is not going to be calling me up, trying to put me on their magazine. I'm not going to get any fancy record deals because I got a good face and a pretty smile. I got crooked teeth. You know, the bottom line is God is gracious. I, he is gracious that he doesn't look at my outward appearance, but he says, what's the condition of your heart? It takes me back to really the center scripture verse or the premier scripture verse of this whole series, and this is out of Proverbs 4.23, and Bethany probably touched upon this last week. The book of Proverbs, it says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of what? Not life, but your life. That's what he says. He didn't say life. He just doesn't leave a blanket statement there. He brings it right down to the individual, and he says, guard your heart. Guard your heart above all else, above anything else. Listen, at the end of the day, guard your heart, for out of it determines the course of your life as an individual. Wow. Just ponder that for a little bit. Think about that, Jacob. Think about that when, 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 the, when the scripture in Proverbs is saying, guard your heart, take a stance, take, be vigilant, be, be awakened, be on look, be sober, and guard your heart, friend. Why? Because it's a powerful tool. It's a powerful thing. It's a, I call it a powerful compass. It can direct me. <laughs> you know, be it for the good. Or be it for the bad. Yeah, I said the bad. I know I'm pastoring. I know I'm house of prayer, dude, worship, lover of Jesus. But you know what? I'm prone to wonder just like you, friend. The heart is powerful. It's a powerful thing. And in the book of Proverbs, he says, guard your heart. Listen, this isn't just like some scripture verse where we're complacent about it. That word guard is to be Violent. Take a violent approach at guarding your heart, Daryl. We don't like to hear violent in the church, surely not in the Word of God. Oh my. For it determines the course of your life. I can't, man, just reading that scripture, I can see so many times in my life where my heart has determined my course, be it for the good or bad. It's a powerful compass. It's a weighty verse. It's not just the mere recommendation. Here in the Proverbs, he's not just recommending that you might take the slightest interest at guarding your heart. He's saying, man, guard it. I can't emphasize that anymore to you today. Guard your heart. So, this is, uh, well, that was just my summary. That was just my opening. Don't worry, I'm not going to keep you long. I'm I'm, going to be good. The kids are are bombastic up there. We love their joy, so we like to be merciful to our uh, people who are juggling them and teaching them. Um, But this is not at all. That was just my introduction. Now I'm going to go actually into my sermon. And actually, it's really quick. Some of you are saying, praise God. Jacob Kim is like, oh, thank you, Jesus. I love you, Jacob. We're going to be talking about hope deferred. (laughs) Makes the what? Heart sick. That's my portion that I get to talk about today I like how the message puts it in Proverbs 13 12 it says unrelenting disappointment leaves you heart sick <laughs> why am I laughing because I so bear witness I so like I'm so deeply connected to that scripture verse you have no idea Unrelenting disappointment leaves you heartsick, and this is—it just sounds like a good fortune cookie, right? Because then he goes, "Oh," <laughs> but a sudden good break can turn life around. Isn't that true? A sudden good break. Let's just let's just read. Uh, uh, never mind, I don't want to do that. I just like the message. Uh, uh, you know, it's the way it puts it into play. Unrelenting disappointment leaves you heartsick, sick, but a sudden good break, oh God, give me a sudden good break, could turn life around, Proverbs 13, 12. So the question is, when we're surrounded by disappointment that seems to be, in some senses, unrelenting, what should be our response? It's a good question to ask, right? I don't know about you, but in the midst of disappointment, my heart can respond 110 different ways. And there's probably, if you were take a percentage of the 110 different ways, you could probably say about 80 percent of those ways are not good friend. <laughs> it's so easy to get in the flesh when we're, uh, when we're surrounded by disappointment that seems unrelenting. Maybe you can't bear witness to this today. Maybe you're just living life high on the hog and things are just going smooth sailing and everything is just great. Well, friend, not so much here. It's hard to deal with disappointment, isn't it? It's hard to 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 kind of see God as loving and caring when it seems to be, so many disappointing things around us in life and in relationships. And I'm not just talking about, you know, uh, I don't know, let's think of a real trite example. Um, I'm not just talking about, you know, Johnny stepped on my Lego and broke it type stuff. You know, I say Legos because my son's like the Lego maniac. He's just a Lego head. He's too young for Legos. Actually, I bought him the, um, a while ago. What is that? Uh, Star Wars. Any Star Wars heads here? Any guys Star Wars fanatics? Come on. Come on, you closet Star Wars freaks. Let's go. Anybody? You in the back? What's, what's the name? Is it the Millennial Falcon? Oh, the Millennial Falcon. This thing is like 1,800 pieces strong. Okay? And I, I feel like a real bad dad. Real bad dad. That that wasn't really intended to sound like I'm a rapper, but uh, we go to towards and he. It was such. He, and this has nothing to do with my message, so please just get the comedy here. Me and Bethany. Let me give you the backstory. Me and Bethany were trying to really encourage my son to start sleeping in his own bed. Yeah, you seem to be parents. Blessed be. Good luck. Uh, and so we're trying to encourage him, and we're like, Hey, you know, Abram, you sleep in your bed. Four days, and he really wanted the Millennial Falcon. We are like, we'll buy you that piece. I mean, this thing's like $180. It's no joke. You know, but I'm desperate. I'm like, Lord, I will do this if that kid gets in his bed. And meanwhile, his bed is is off the chain. It's ridiculous. So we're just trying to get him, and, and, and he does it. And so we're going to get the Millennial Falcon. So we're at Toys R Us. We get it. Things are good, going up to the register, punk. And um, the girl at the register says, oh, ages 8 to 11. Um, he doesn't look, is that for him? And I just had this moment of like, oh my God, but he's real disciplined. He ain't going to choke on any, uh, he treats those things like gold. But anyways, that's just a little comedy. Uh, so we bought him the Millennial Falcon. Where am I? Thank you, Jesus. So the question is, what do we do when we're surrounded by disappointment that seems unrelenting? What should be our response as Christians when our dreams are delayed? You ever have any dreams that have been delayed? I've got pages of them, friend. I got. I, I got. I write a book, maybe. Of course, Christina would have to edit it for me. <laughs> Oh, come on, joy. You know, unfortunately, when our dreams are delayed, when we are surrounded by, you know, disappointment, when we are feeling like we are being tested or tried, I don't know about you, but isn't it easy to just throw the devil card out there? It's just the devil trying to oppress me. Devil, you know. You get off of me, Satan. You know, what is, you know, I'm not saying I do that. But isn't it true? It, don't we tend to give the devil a lot of credit? And I, listen, I, Listen, we know the devil is what? He's a devourer looking to seek of who he can destroy. So we know his tactics. But friend, I want to tell you, it's not always the devil. You know, there's something else at work sometimes when we're surrounded by disappointment. There's something else at work when our dreams seem to be delayed or maybe even crushed. You ever have any dreams that it, you're not delayed, man, you know. It's over, Johnny, put a fork in it. That thing is not being resurrected, okay? But why is it that we are so quick to just throw the devil card out and just begin to rebuke Satan or blame Satan? You know, God is in the business of testing our heart, is he not? Oh, uh, is he not? Is God in the business of testing his people? And I'm not, talk- I'm not talking about manipulating. See, the devil manipulates, but God, he will test you. He will. He will. I'm 34. I'm not that old. I know what you're saying. Listen, five more years, six more years as of January, five more years as of January, sorry, I will be 40 years old. So you stop... You can stop bantering your eyes at me when I say I'm old. I'm getting old, friend. I will be 40 years old in five years. That's huge. Christina, don't. You're like 20. I mean, don't you. But why is it that we're so quick to blame the devil? Why is it that we're so quick to to just put the emphasis on him and totally negate what the Lord's trying to do in our heart? Have you ever done that? And I can tell you Well, I'll get there. You know, it's the first sign of adversity. It's our small thinking that goes right to blaming the devil. Don't be quick to blame your adversary. Yes, it's true. Like I said, the devil does go around roaring like a lion, seeking those of which he can devour and destroy. The The problem, excuse me, is what often looks sounds and feels like adversity is nothing more than the work of God in our lives. Let's turn to James 1, 2, 4 if you can. James 1, 2 through 4. Here James is, and he's speaking just about this. And he's saying, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, Consider it an opportunity for what? Great. No, not just joy, friend. Great joy. Everybody say hallelujah. Why? Because that is so contrary to what we do when we are faced with troubles, isn't it? Okay, I'll just say, Daryl, I'll just put it on me. Daryl, this is contrary to the way that you respond when there's great troubles. (laughs) Okay, but what does James say? He says, consider it a great joy. Have you ever tried to, in the midst of adversity, in the midst of troubles, try to put on joy <laughs> or consider what you're faced with at that moment with great joy? Let's read on. For you know that when your faith is what? Tested. Who's doing the testing according to James? It's God. God. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So James says, so let it. Other words, don't fight it. (laughs) Don't blame the devil. But let it be. Embrace it. Hug it. Nap with it. Take it out for brunch. Love it. Make it closer than your sister or brother. Let it get in you. Come on. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, what develops your endurance? Testing, troubles. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Now that doesn't say you will be sinless. It just means your attitude will be better. Let me, in other words, James is saying, consider it a sheer gift. That when tests and challenges come at you from all sides, because you know under pressure, listen, you know under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and it shows what? Your true colors. Let me, let me read that again. Some of you are looking at me like I got three heads. I really only got one. I know it's not pretty, but it's one and it's not three. But let's just go. Let's just summarize James 1 two and four. So in other words, James is saying, consider it a sheer gift. When tests and challenges, John, come at you from all sides. Because you know, under pressure, listen, because you know, I know, under pressure, your faith is forced into the open. And it shows your true colors. You know, I can fake it till I make it right here. But at my house i see your true colors and that's why i love you cindy lopper right there is something about trouble there is something about being test that brings out really who you are it's easy peasy lemon squeezy right here before you and sincerely i'm not trying to fake it i'm sincere i love the lord but this isn't what it's all about, friend. This right here is not what determines the genuineness of my faith when I'm not in front of you or in front of my peers. What really puts pressure on that? Well, when I'm at home. You know, isn't it the truth? Here goes the latter part of James 2 through 4. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. In other words, don't try to just excuse the testing. Don't try to just excuse the the trials and the troubles. Don't just, you know, cast it off to the side to just be the devil attacking me. But embrace it. Let it do, let it do its work in you so you can become mature and well developed. That's pretty much James 2. I'm sorry, 1, 2 through 4. Let me just give you a couple of scripture verses to help you because some of us have a kind of a negative response when it actually thinks about, okay, he says the Lord tests us. Again, let me just make this clear. I'm not talking about manipulation, friend. I'm not talking about being manipulated by the Lord. But let me just give you just a couple scriptures. And these are just a couple. A couple. And if you actually search this out, you will see that the Lord actually is involved with testing the hearts of his people and the genuineness of their faith. Psalms 11.5. The Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence, his soul hates. Psalms 26.2. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me, test my heart and mind. Jeremiah 1120, But O Lord of hosts, who judges rightly and justly, who tests the hearts and the minds of his people. Psalms 6610, For you, O God, have proved us. You have tried us with silver and tried us, I'm sorry, and tried us, refined us, and purified us, it purified us as gold. Those are just a couple of scriptures that you can look into, and you can see as you, you kind of study how the Lord deals and, and tests our hearts, you can see that this is actually something that the Lord is uh, greatly involved and invested in. I want to show real quick a video in closing. He's going to use this thing. I want to show a video. Um, some of you have may, may have seen this, and I do want to show this video for nothing more than just putting some perspective on what I'm talking about today. Um, in, in, In essence, to summarize what I'm talking about is know that the Lord cares about the condition of our hearts. He does. And don't be so quick to play the blame game with your troubles and with being tested but embrace those tests embrace those challenges and let the lord forge the image of christ on the inside of you let him get you to the place where you are running with the, it, with endurance and you are perfected needing nothing we're going to play this video hopefully it's got to wake up thank you jesus can we dim those lights somebody I don't know what number it is. Hit number one. If you see number one up there, it's tricky. The top one or the bottom one, Will? Bottom one. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. All right, so let's just watch this quick video.
1: A sister wrote me a note at one time, and her question was, can you find a God of mercy in the book of Job? I wrote her back and I said yes I think I can. God could have left Job alone. Years ago I suffered an injury to my voice. At the time I was a pastor and a worship leader since that time my strength is very small and it's painful for me to speak so I Giving you my life, giving you my best. Walking in obedience, walking in faith and love. Pouring my life out for the Gospel. And take a hit like this. I didn't have a theology for that. I found myself in the darkest place in my life. Nobody had any answers. And all I had was this. so my prayer life was basically three words. I love you. I don't understand you but I love you. Over and over just giving him my love in the darkest place in my life. I've discovered have your bickering wife, have your ten wayward children, have your safe little world, have your little bubble. But the Lord said, Job, I love you too much to leave you to yourself. I love you too much to leave you to the smallness of what you know. God had not interrupted Job's life and if Job had not walked through a living hell we would never have heard of the man. But because it all shook down and he stood and said I love you, I worship you. In his darkest hour the Lord has given, the Lord has taken away Blessed be the name of the Lord. Psalm 11 verse 5. The Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked.
0: Under that video, you can turn back up the lights. I know it's a little confusing. Maybe the top one. Okay. Powerful video, yeah? Kind of put some things into perspective. What's going on, Chris? Okay. Are we almost ready? Okay. Well, I like how my, how, how my Bethany, I was going to say. I like how my wife um, ended the service last week. You know, there's no light switch that you can flip on. There's no prayer that you can pray in terms of us laying hands on you. It's really just a choice, and it's an openness that we have before the Lord to say, God, develop inside of me a healthy heart. Amen. So, God, we thank you for this word, and we thank you for your scripture. God, we ask, Lord, that we would be receptive and open, Lord, to your leading. And, Lord, also the way you test our faith at times in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, don't leave yet, but we have a special thing to do right now. What?